whole lot else for me. Oh, look, I have a whole another one. That's cool. Thank you for that, Lance. <laughs> this is a big one. Y'all messed around and gave me this big gold one. We might really have some fun tonight. Are y'all excited to be here tonight? I got that impression about 15 minutes ago when I walked in with all the gold. I'm like, and I didn't even know it was a gold theme, and I found a gold shirt in my closet, and somebody said, you need to put that on, and so it worked out. So I am Super excited to be with you, and um, so I want to ask you this, before we even get started, how many of you will commit to be at the rest of the Rejuvenate Nights for the month of June? Slip up your hands. Okay, Pastor Callie, you need to look around at these hands, and so you can start picking people up if they don't show up over the next couple of weeks. We're holding you to that. Make the commitment now, because yes, God can do something in this moment, and I believe that He already has. And I believe that he'll do something over the next few moments, but it takes faithfulness from us. And so you can't show up one time, one month in June and expect God to radically transform your life. You're going to have to be committed to a house of God. And I don't even care if you're committed to Cornerstone. Now, I'm sure if you don't have a home church, they would love to have you. But you need to get into a Bible-believing church somewhere in this community and plant and stay there and see what God would do in your life over the next several weeks and months and years. Um, I know that to be very, very true. The church saved my life. Truly, the church saved my life. So, I have to tell you, I feel like um, a homegirl. Uh, I am a homegirl. I feel like I'm part of the Cornerstone family. Um, and I've been speaking here for a long time and um, feel like you guys are truly my sisters. And so um, I, I just I want to say to you personally that I appreciate so much so many of you guys reaching out to me and, and following up with me about messages that have touched you or maybe you're checking in on my kiddos or just checking on how things are going in my life. It means so much to me that I have a sisterhood in Louisiana throughout the state of women that just um, are praying for our family. So I just want to honor you for that and thank you so much for that. Um, okay, so y'all always ask me about my kids. And so I'm going to tell you about the kids before we get started so we can get that out of the way. Um, Dylan is still in New York, y'all. I don't know why. I don't know what, why he won't come home. I don't know if he'll ever come home, but he's still there. Um, he's been there almost two years now, and um, um, he's doing very well. Um, and, of course, I'm uh, proud of his accomplishments and what um, he's doing in his, in his field, uh, which I can't even really say because it's just too weird. But... Um, but what I'm more proud of is the fact that um, he planted in a local church there. And the really cool thing about that is, as a 23-year-old, you know, when you're raising those little babies up in the way that they should go when they're 10 and they're 12 and they're 15, you, you pray and you hope that one day that they will um, get a home church and they will commit there. But Dylan is going to Hillsong Church. Some of you guys may know that church. Um, they were um, from out of Australia and have a large church there. And God is using him in what is a very dark industry to be a light. And it's amazing some of the things that he's able to witness to people who don't know anything about the Lord. We're in the Bible Belt, and we take it for granted that everybody knows the story of Jesus Christ. But truly, everyone does not know. And so I'm so thankful for that. Um, and then Miss Ashton. <laughs> so Dylan went to New York and Ashton decided that she would go across the world and so she is literally thousands and thousands of miles away in um, Tanzania, Africa um, in the middle of nowhere like they don't have AC they don't have um, 
She can't wash her clothes. She has to wash her clothes by hand. Um, she's like, Mom, you would never believe how hard it is to wash your clothes in a bu bucket by hand. And I'm like, you wanted to go out there. So she's, uh, she's having the time of her life. Um, she will certainly appreciate the comforts of home once she gets back. Um, and I'm hoping she'll appreciate Mama a little bit, too, when she gets back. But she will uh, go to grad school in the fall um, at LSU, and she's uh, studying international social work. So we'll see where the Lord takes her. My babies may never live back in my house again, which, you know, is okay. I had kids when I was like 12 years old, so I'm like tired of parenting right now and, and ready to move on with my life and enjoy empty nest. Um, and then I have little Miss Adrian, uh, who is 12, and she is in going into the seventh grade, and um, sweet as pie still thinks that we hung the moon, which is so cute. She's like, don't worry, Mom, I'll never leave you. I'm like, you will, you will. Um, and then my husband, Jeff, who I just honor for allowing me to do this. Um, he's allowed me to do this for uh, 12 years now. And I just appreciate so much his sacrifice for our family. And so he sends his love to you guys. Um, so I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer as we get started tonight. Father, thank you so much for these ladies. God, thank you for what you've already done in this place. Father, thank you for the commitment of the people that it takes to put this on, God, for Pastor Stanley and Callie and this heart for this community. Father, I thank you so much for those that um, sacrifice secretly so that the women can be here and partake. Now, God, we ask you to do what it is that you do. Father, I pray that you would touch the hearts of women that are desperate to hear from you tonight. Women that have brought in things that nobody else knows about, but they need to hear from you. God, I pray that not one word uttered would be from me. But Father, everything would be from you and God, that all things would give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, I thought about, as I was writing this message a few weeks ago, and even in looking in the room tonight, whenever I got here, I thought about the women that would be in this room. And I thought about the women that I know from this community that I've known for many, many decades now. And some of you that I've known over the last couple of years. And I thought about the burdens that you carry. I thought about the things that you have walked through. The women in the room that have gone through a devastating divorce that crushed you. And I thought about the women in the room that have battled addiction. And the ones in the room that have lost a family member and it was so devastating for you. And the financial woes that are in this room or those of you that are struggling with a wayward child or a difficult marriage and you don't know what else to do. And I was overwhelmed by the thought of the number of women that would be here tonight. And it was all you could do to get here. It was all you could do to maybe get those kids' faces cleaned and load them in the car and get over here after a long day's work. And there were a thousand things that you could have been doing, like laying on the couch and watching The Bachelorette tonight. But you chose to be in the house of God. And I believe that the Lord is going to meet you here. And as I prayed about what I would share tonight, the Lord brought me to a scripture in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. It says, But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. And I don't mind telling you that the older I get, the more I realize how very little I actually know. I don't mind telling you that 
Although our ministry reached 82,000 single mothers last year, that most mornings when I put on my clothes and head into the office, I don't know all the answers. If you turn on the radio or the news and you see all of the tragedy that's taking place, not just in this community or in our state, but throughout the U.S., I don't mind telling you, I don't know the answers. I know that God's ways are mysterious, and I don't even have answers for you tonight about why you have suffered the way that you have. But there is one thing that I know, that I know, that I know. And it is the God of hope. And He has sent me to tell you tonight that it is time for the women of God to rise up and stop living like women who have no hope. God has promised you hope. And there are too many Christians that are believers that are in our houses of God that are living cuddled over in a corner somewhere like you have no hope. You do not have to live as if you have no hope. It is time for your faith to begin to rise. God is calling you out of a place to darkness and He is calling you into light, placing your foot on a firm foundation. And that means that some perspective is going to have to shift in the house tonight. The way that your challenges look to you are going to have to shift. I don't promise you that the challenges won't be here when you walk out of here. In fact, I know that they will be. But my hope is that perspective will change for you tonight. I don't know what you're challenged with. But I do know what it is to have no hope. I know what it is to be that woman cuddled in a corner somewhere. I know what it is to be wondering where your next meal will come from. When I was sexually assaulted for many years, there seemed to be no hope for rescue. When I had two kids outside of marriage as a young single mom, there seemed to be no hope of a loving husband in my future. When my son was an angry teenager who was kicking holes in the walls and cussing me out, despite the fact that I was flying all over the country teaching parenting classes, there certainly seemed to be no hope for godliness in his future. When my credit cards were maxed out and there was no money in the checking account and I was living in government housing, there seemed to be no hope for provision. When a flood took everything that I owned a couple of years ago in just a matter of minutes, there seemed to be no hope for restoration. When the weight of hundreds and hundreds of my own sins were too heavy to bear, there seemed to be no hope for redemption. And I don't know what your no hope moment looks like, but I suspect I'm standing before a group of women who understand that no hope moment very well. And I wonder how many of you carried in tonight this hopelessness. I wonder how many of you carried in this overwhelming sense that it will never be better than it is in this moment. God has sent me tonight to tell you that it's time for hope to arise. another sermon with empty words and no battle plan to get you fired up for a matter of moments. You don't need to hear from me tonight. You need to have an encounter with this God of hope. You need to have an encounter with the one that can truly set you free. And I begin to pray about what does that look like for women like God give me some practical things. What is it that they're struggling with? 1 Peter 5.10 says it like this. So after you have suffered a little while He will restore, 
support, and strengthen you. And He will place you on a firm foundation. Now I know that there are some women in the room who say, but my little while hasn't been little. Maybe you've gone through weeks or months or even years or decades of the same suffering and you say, well, I don't understand how that verse pertains to me because I haven't suffered a little while. I've suffered for a long while. Well, I've got news for you tonight that it's all a little while in God's timing because in comparison to our eternity with our Heavenly Father, this is but a mere vapor. And so even if you suffered for the rest of your life, and I pray that you don't, but even if you did, there's still hope. There is hope of an eternity on the other side that will look nothing like this life. Your financial problems won't be problems whenever you get to the other side. Your husband won't be a problem when you get to the other side. Your boss won't be a problem when you get to the other side. The challenges that you face in your family won't be problems when you get to the other side. And so what you need to be reminded about tonight is that He will restore and He will strengthen and He will put you on a firm foundation. And so you just simply need to be reminded tonight of that. I suspect that if girls have sacrificed on a Monday night to be here, when you could have been a whole lot of other places, that I'm talking to a room full of church girls. And so I'm probably not giving you new news, but you need to be reminded tonight of the authority that's been planted on the inside of you. You need to be reminded tonight of everything that God has given you. It is so sad to me the number of Christians that are strapped in and buckled on their way to heaven. And they have no hope and there's no joy and there's no peace. God has promised you an abundant life, a wide open, spacious, set free life. He did not simply promise you eternity. That would have been enough. But he said that I came so that you would have abundant life, free life, free from all of the cares and worries of this world. So what are the things that are stealing your hope tonight? Well, I prayed about that and the truth is, is that we could camp out here all night and talk about the things that are stealing our hope. There are hundreds of things that are stealing our hope. But there were three things that the Lord gave me that I believe many of those struggles will fit into one of those three categories. And if you don't have a pen and paper out, I'm just going to encourage you to get one. I believe that note takers are history makers. And so there are some of you that will need to refer to this later if you can. Get your phone out and take it on your phone. We put a whole lot of other junk in our phones, don't we? So the first one is finances. Our finances will steal our hope. Many of you have been inundated by challenges with your finances. Right now, as you look at me, you think, how does she know how bad it is? It's so hard for me right now. I'm in the midst of a foreclosure, or I just lost my house, or I'm in the midst of a repossession right now, or I just lost my job, and it's very difficult to find another one. My finances are all over the place, and I have very little I want to bring you to a scripture that the Lord brought me to many years ago, and it's been one that I've referred to over and over and over again in the most destitute of times in my life, and it's in Deuteronomy 28. And I'll read verses 1 through 6. I'm reading in the um, New Living Translation tonight, for those of you that um, care to know that. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 6. It says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all His commandments that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. 
Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. I am here to tell you tonight that the Word of God says that He will supply all of our needs. Now, you need to know that that does not mean He's going to supply them in the timing or in the way that you think that he should. God doesn't consult us about the matters of our life. He has perfect timing and he has a perfect plan. But he will show up and he will bless you. Now here's the caveat to that that you need to fully understand. It says, if you obey. Now see, that's when it gets real quiet. We like the blessing. We don't like the obedience. And what we want is we want the Lord to bless our finances. But we don't want to really address this issue that's tucked way back in the back of our heart because we think that it's two separate things. And I'm here to tell you that the Word of God is very clear on this issue. If you want the Lord to bless your finances, you need to live a holy and pure life. So what are the things in your life that are tucked away areas that God needs to address? What are the things in your life that are keeping you from living that abundant and blessed life? What are those things? Sometimes his provision looks like a girlfriend bringing over her last bit of food in the pantry and sharing it with you because you have none. Sometimes provision looks like a family member inviting you to stay on their spare couch because you've just lost your home. Provision doesn't always look like the new house and the new car and the six-figure income. And let us not get mistaken here that if we throw a $5 bill on the offering plate that somehow God is our magic genie that we rub and make demands on. That is not at all what I'm suggesting to you. What I am saying to you is that you need to be faithful and obedient. And you need to begin to tithe if you don't already do that. Now, I know folks don't like to talk about the tithe. People get real uncomfortable about the tithe, particularly when things are tough. Well, here's the thing. If you don't want, if you want the Lord to bless you with more, you've got to be faithful with what's in your hand right now. So if you're believing God for that $10,000 a month job, then what are you doing with that $10 an hour job that you have right now? Are you being obedient to what He's called you to do? The Word of God says, seek His kingdom first. If we seek the kingdom of God first, all of these other things will be added. So what you have to do is say, Father, I fully surrender to this part of my life. I fully surrender my finances to you. And Lord, I don't understand how it's going to work out. But God, I know that you're a way maker. And I know that you can do more with the 90% that I have in my hand than the 100% that I keep and try to manipulate and control and make a complete failure and mess out of. Some of you have to get set free in this area of your finances. This is an area that has been a challenge for the church for years, for decades. And yet I'm a living testimony of seeing God show up and transform my finances. Now let me be clear. Jesus also said, in this world you will have trouble. And so I'm not suggesting to you that just because you live a pure life and you say, Jennifer, I've been tithing for years. Jennifer, I've been fully surrendered to the Lord in every way I know how. I'm doing the very best that I can and I'm walking through a financial difficulty right now. Explain that to me. What I'm saying to you is that your God is faithful and to everything there is a season.
And it may be a difficult season. And I don't mind telling you, I've had a little and I've had a lot. And I really prefer having a lot versus a little. I don't mind telling you that whenever we flooded a few years ago, I told the Lord, I know what it's like to be homeless and living in a trash bag. Like, I really don't need to do that twice. I got it. I'm good. I got plenty of material to preach on from now until eternity, Father. So I don't need to go through it. And we were faithful and we were tithing and we were certainly trying to live our lives in a pure way. You will have trouble. But what I'm saying is for the women in the room that have never experienced financial freedom, it's what you think about when you get up in the mornings. It's what you think about when you go to bed at night. It consumes your thoughts with worry. It affects your parenting. It affects your marriage. I'm saying it's time to let go. I'm saying it's time to fully surrender. Do you think that God is sitting on His throne in heaven scratching His head about your mortgage? Our Father owns cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. He is the man who rained manna down from heaven. This is the God that makes a way when folks didn't even know what manna was. And so for some of you, you don't know how to pray about your financial situation because it is so bad. That's okay. All I'm challenging you to do, you to do is on Sunday, say, I don't have a lot, but I'm giving 10% of it to the house of God. Now, for those of you that would secretly in the back of your mind think, well, I don't know about that church. I mean, I don't know about giving Danny and Callie my money. I mean, church folks kind of kind of dirty. They're kind of secretive. They like to do things a certain kind of way. You know what's funny to me? We won't mind giving our money to all kinds of other things. We won't mind giving our filth, our money to the filthy Hollywood. We won't mind giving our money to a thousand other things that will never reap us a dividend. That's between them and God. If there's a church in this community that's not handling their money well, now I'm not suggesting don't steward your money well. I'm simply saying that's between them and God. What's between you and God is honoring Him with your first fruits. And so that's my challenge for you tonight. If you are hopeless in your finances and you want to get free, you need to begin to evaluate what your finances look like from a spiritual perspective. And you watch your Heavenly Father open up His treasure box in heaven and pour out such that you can't even contain it in so many areas of your life. Not just your finances, but your joy and your peace and the love that you have and the patience that you have. Things will transform in your life when your finances don't dictate your every thought. The second area that many of us are hopeless in is our futures. Now, I know that many of you will know Jeremiah 29, 11, and 12, but I want to remind you exactly what it says. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Here's good news for the ladies of the house tonight. You don't have to have it all figured out. Too many of you have been so worried about your future. The future of your children, whether or not you'll ever find a husband, whether or not you'll ever find healing over this thing or that, what your career move needs to be. You have been so consumed by your future. But the Word of God does not say, I think I know some pretty good things for you. I'm working on it. The Word of God says, I know the plans. He's not sitting in heaven scratching his head and doubting whether or not he has a plan for you. When he formed you in your mama's womb, he already had a plan for you. And there are things that he wants you to accomplish. And there's a calling on your life. And there's this wide open life that's so beautiful that you can't even yet see some of you. 
And God wants to do that, but you have got to let go of the worry about your future. It is giving you hopelessness because of what you've walked through in your past. But your past is simply that. It is not a defining moment. It is simply a moment. It is not everything. It is not nothing. It is simply something. What God has for you in the future is so much better. There's a recipe for this peace. There's a recipe for being able to lay down hopelessness in your life, and it's found in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It needs to be an anthem for you. For those of you that know you're battling, for those of you that know hopelessness and doom and depression are things that you have battled not for weeks but for months and years, this is your anthem. You need to write it on index cards and stick it in your purse. You need to stick it on your refrigerator. You need to stick it in the bedside stand. You need to have it everywhere and recite it every single day, this truth of God over your life. It says, number one, don't worry about anything. So if you want to eradicate hopelessness, you don't worry about anything. It doesn't say unless you're a broke single mama. It doesn't say unless you just got a cancer diagnosis. It doesn't say unless you just walked through a death of a spouse or a loved one or financial challenge or marital challenge. It doesn't say if anything. It says do not worry about anything. And then number two, instead pray about everything. God already knows what's going on in your life, but He wants to hear it from you. Our Heavenly Father wants to be in intimacy with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants us to talk to Him and tell Him about the things that are on our hearts. The things that concern you concern Him. The smallest details of your life He cares about. So you need to pray about everything. And then the third step is tell God what you need. Spell it out. Be specific. Father, I need this. I surrender to you. I trust you with my life. If it doesn't happen this way, I still love you and I want to serve you all the days of my life. But Father, right now in this moment, I need this. And then the fourth part says, and thank him for everything that he's already done. All of us should be constantly filled with gratitude for everything that God has done for us. And this is where we can get into a little bit of trouble. Because what we do is we make a tick mark of this list of things that God needs to be working on for us. We think that God works for us. And so we begin to make all these demands on him of I need this for my kids and I need this for my finances and I need this for my marriage and for my future. And we forget the fourth part of praising him for everything that he's already done. That's why environments like this are so very important to be committed to a local house because when you get into praise and worship and you fully surrender and just say, Lord, man, this week was tough. My boss is crazy. Lord, I don't know why you have me planted there. You know I need my paycheck, but this is obscene. That's what we do in worship. But Father, in this moment, I give it all to you. I clear my mind, I clear my head, my spirit is open to receive, I give it to you. And Father, thank you that you've given me a job in the first place. Father, thank you in a town where there's a whole lot of unemployment. Father, I have a place to go every day. Thank you, God, that you've positioned me to be a light in this dark office. Father, thank you that my children have their help. Even if they're running from you right now, Lord, I thank you that they have their help. There are so many things that you can be thankful for. And one of the things that I did in my life, particularly when I was going through a very difficult time, was I began a gratitude jar. 
And I don't care what you do. You can get a notebook, sheet of paper out. You can do notes in your phone. It doesn't really matter. But I would put every single day something that I was thankful for. And I don't mind telling you that there were days when it was hard to think of something I was thankful for, especially when I'd had a rough day with the kids or a long day at the office. But at the end of the year, I had 365 things that I was thankful for. And right now, that was a few years ago that I did that, I still have that jar sitting on a bookcase in my bedroom. And it's a reminder of me, and it's on colorful pieces of paper. And so when I'm, when I'm despairing, whenever I'm destitute, whenever I'm hopeless, I, I look over there, I think, what are you complaining about? Your God has been good to you. And I've got news for you tonight, ladies. He has been good to you too. If you want to experience hope in your life, this is the recipe. And the end of this, I love so much. Then, then, after steps one, two, three, and four, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Peace is the fertile soil on which your faith can grow. Chaos in our lives breeds roots of bitterness and offense and confusion. But the peace of God will plant us firmly in soil that will allow us to grow like great oaks, unwavering in our faith so that hopelessness does not have a prayer of sneaking into our lives. When we have peace, we have hope. You see, many of you are hopeless right now, but it's because you have no peace. It's because you have allowed worry to literally consume your life. Some of you have worried yourself sick. There have been things that have manifested in your body because you have spent decades worrying about things for which you have absolutely no control. And so it's time to begin to relinquish those things. I know what we say. What we say is we've given it to God, don't we? So whenever we have something difficult in our life and maybe we're down at the altar on a Sunday and there are people praying for us and, and maybe you've come one time and then the next week you come again and the next week you come again, we say, you know what, I've just given that to God. Here's what we do. We give it to God on a Sunday morning here at the altar and then we pick it back up and we put it in the car with us and we take it home. Because we somehow think that we can control the situation better than God can. And it's so heavy. And then we wonder why there's no peace. For some of you, just getting thankful for all that God's done for you will be the recipe that you need to discover hope in your life. The last thing that we tend to allow to steal our hope is our families. Women, we are makers of the world go round. We are chauffeurs. We are caregivers. We are babysitters. We are boo-boo kissers. We are dishwashers extraordinaire. You name it, we do it. We are truly the hand that rocks the cradle. We are balancing a thousand plates every single day. There are so many things. I often say if something happened to me, our family would be in immense trouble because my husband does not know where his socks are, our important papers, or our children. I mean, he literally, he said to me the other day, he really didn't know where Ashton was. I was like, dear God, truly, if something happened to me, we'd be in trouble. You just need to pray and intervene for the Maggios. But we carry so much. And what we try to do is fix everything and everybody. We want everybody in our life to be fixed. But what happens is when we offer help, 
to our child or to our sister or to a spouse or a parent and they don't take it and they mess up again for the 512th time, we are utterly exhausted and we're frustrated. And there comes a place in our life where we feel like we have no hope. The great news tonight is you are not equipped to fix anything. And once you relieve, relieve yourself of this mantle that you've got to somehow be a martyr that's fixing everybody, you will be able to step aside and allow the Holy Spirit to be introduced into folks' lives. For some of us who have adult children, we need to be reminded tonight to stop rescuing them every time they have a challenge. We need to stop enabling folks in our lives who have financial problems and we constantly rescue them or are people that we're constantly doing something for that we have no business doing because while we're busy trying to fix, while we're busy trying to manipulate, while we're busy trying to control, we can't see God in the situation. And what's worse is that that person cannot see God in the situation. The only one that can change and fix anybody is the Holy Spirit. And so you need to step aside so that you can introduce some folks to the Holy Spirit. That is going to be some freedom for some ladies in the house. The weights that we carry are so heavy. The Lord gave me a vision several years ago, and I've been so vividly reminded of it many times since, particularly whenever I am utterly exhausted and I'm frustrated with those people in my life that have sucked much out of me. And I know all of you have those people as well. And what he gave me a vision of is me carrying plastic trash, bla trash bags, black trash bags, and they were really heavy, and it almost was like they were filled with sand or something heavy. And I'm walking down a dirt road, and I'm carrying a trash bag, the same way that you would think, just very, very heavy. And then, just a little ways down the road, I see another one, and I, you know, I'm a cleaner. I'm type A personality, so everything has to be neat and orderly and clean. So, of course, I pick up the next trash bag as well. And then there's another one a little further down the road, and so I need to pick up that one as well. And before I know it, I'm carrying all of these trash bags, and it wasn't even my trash. It wasn't even mine to pick up in the first place, but yet I felt like I had to fix it and pick it all up. And so then Jesus rolls up in a four-wheel drive. I'm a country girl, so yes, he did. Okay, yes, he did. He rolls up in a four-wheel drive, and he's like, hey, you need a lift? And I literally look at Jesus in this vision, and I'm like, I got it. Thank you. And I wave as he drives by. Y'all, I am not lying to you. We're, we're laughing about it, but that's what we do in our lives. We get in a bunch of mess that we had no business getting into because it wasn't our trash to pick up in the first place. We start trying to clean up and fix things that we're ill-equipped and ill-prepared to handle. So people suck life out of us. They suck joy out of us. They suck peace out of us, and they pull our hope from us. And then Jesus rolls up on the scene and rescues us for the 512th time because that's kind of what he's in the business of doing. And we say, we got it. I'll see you on Sunday. I'll talk about it on Sunday with you and lie and tell them I gave it to you at the altar. See you later. <laughs> Love you. That's what we do. It's so true. And there's some women in the place tonight, even through your laughter, you know. You know that I'm talking to you. And you know that the weight has been too heavy. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. So why do we keep trying to carry it? Why are we trying to carry it? Freedom is in the letting go. The fully surrendering and the relinquishing.
And that's where your hope that you left a long time ago. Hope that maybe you had when you were a little girl. Hope that you had when you first married your husband and you didn't realize how hard it was going to be. Or, or maybe hope when you went into that marriage and then you went through that difficult divorce and it got really hard. The hope that you had at one time that you laid down a long time ago is still waiting for you there. It's a choice that you have to make. It's a choice that you have to make. Don't believe me? Read Galatians 5.22. We've already been promised certain things whenever we accept Jesus as our Savior. It is our choice to walk into them. The sad truth is that for many of us, we have been raised in an environment where we have seen people worry for generations. We came from a world of worriers, fretters, people who didn't know how to pray and take territory. All they knew how to do was talk about it and gossip about it and worry about it and fret about it and lose sleep about it. But you are different. You can change the path, not only in your lives, but in future generations that would come. You can begin to shift perspective and say, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know the God who does. And so tonight, I am going to believe for my future. I'm going to believe for my family. I'm going to believe for my finances. And even when it seems like there's no hope, you may not feel like there's any hope, and you may not see any hope, but it's time for the women of God to stop talking about things the way they are today and start calling things as if they were. We need to begin to praise in advance for everything that God is going to do in our lives. And so if you're believing God for financial breakthrough, you need to begin to praise Him for it in advance and say, Lord, I just believe that you're going to do amazing, exceedingly, abundantly, more than I even know how to ask you. And so, Father, I just come to you and I just want to take some time to praise you. That's the type of perspective that we need to have. Some of you just need to be reminded today that your God is in the mountain moving business. He's a way maker. He's a hope giver. He's an earth shaking, enemy scattering God. And he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he says that he puts the lonely in families and he makes a river in the dry wasteland. He upholds you with his victorious right hand and he called you back from the ends of the earth. He has created you to be the head and not the tail, a city on a hill, a light in a dark world. He did not create you to clamor in a corner like a woman with no hope. It is time for the women of God to let the hope in this place arise. It is time for you to unleash faith in this place so that you can begin to take territory that has already been promised to you in your job, in your families, in your hearts, in your homes, not only in this community, but around the state, what would happen if the women of God allowed their faith to arise? What would happen, what would shift in your life if you left out of this place filled with hope? Did you stop functioning in hopelessness and despair and depression? What would happen in your own life with your children, in your families, if you begin to walk differently? How would that look different? You know, I'm reminded of whenever Moses was in the battle of his life. And he was so exhausted. And I think about the women in the room who have lost all hope. And you're like, Jennifer, it sounds good. I want that. But I am so spiritually exhausted. I don't even know what to do. Look around the room for just a minute. Look at your sisters on the left and the right. We stand with you tonight. If you are too weak to pray for yourself, like Aaron, we stand and uphold arms for you. And we say that we will lock arms and do this thing called life with you. But we can't do it with you if we don't know what's going on. We can't do it with you if you don't plant. 
We can't do it with you if you don't lock arms. God wants to walk with you and he wants to position some folks in your life to help you. I want every woman in the place to stand as we close. And I want to read a promise over you. And I want to give you a few minutes to receive this because I know the heaviness. And I know in 30 minutes the heaviness doesn't miraculously break off of you. And so as I'm talking tonight, you're thinking about the heaviness. And you're thinking about that child that you love so much and you want better for. And you're thinking about the addiction that's going on in your family right now or in your own life. And you're like, Father, I just can't do it another second. I'm talking to you tonight. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want to just read Hebrews 4 over you. Hebrews chapter 4. The entire chapter is amazing. I'll just read a couple of verses. God's promise of entering His rest still stands. That's a celebration for some women tonight. God's promise of entering His rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. And so God's calling some women tonight to begin to listen to what He has to say. He's calling some women tonight that He's whispering in your ear and telling you some things. He wants you to have that rest. He goes on to say, so there's a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our very best to enter that rest. So I want to ask you tonight, who in the place walked in here hopeless? You knew when I began to talk about this God of hope that it was something that you were struggling with. You knew that the weight was heavy and, and you rushed to get into the house tonight because you wanted to hear from Him. Who is that woman in the place tonight? I want to pray for you tonight. So I want you to just run up here just quickly. We don't have to do pomp and circumstance. I don't have to beg you. You just need to get up here. If you want prayer, we want to believe God with you. And so if there are women in the place that are exhausted and exasperated and you don't know what else to do and you've tried a whole lot of things, maybe you are just walking quicksand and you're barely keeping your head above water, you need to come down front right now and get prayed for. If there's women in the room that say, you know, I love this idea of rest. This idea of rest sounds good, but I haven't rested in decades because the weight has been too heavy. This is your opportunity tonight to come forward and get prayed for. And so as I pray, I want you to move out of your seats if that's you. Father, I thank you for the transparency of the women that stand here. Father, I thank you for the courage that it takes to be real and open and honest with you, God. But yet, when we fully surrender, we're honest with you, God. You just want our hearts. And so you hear us and you see us right where we are and you meet us there. And so, God, my prayer tonight is, is for each one of these women that you would meet them here. God, that you would do surgery on their hearts, that you would open them up and expose all of those areas that need healing. And God, then you would do the surgery necessary and close them up, restored, refreshed, renewed, and rejuvenated. Father, I thank you 
that in a moment, an encounter with you will change a life. And for women that have been praying for years or decades about a situation, God, it only takes one encounter with the God of hope to restore all that was lost. All that the locusts ate so many years ago, Father, you can restore it in a moment. And so, God, I speak healing over this place tonight. I speak restoration over this place tonight. I speak courage over this place tonight. I speak right now that chains would be broken over this place tonight. Women that came in here bound with a thousand things that you never intended for them to carry. Father, I thank you that you are setting women free. God, I thank you that you will do those things, God, because we love you and we honor you. And so, God, we give you our hearts right now. God, forgive us that we have tried to control. Forgive us that we tried to manipulate. Forgive us, God, that we tried to hold back on one area of our lives, or our hearts, or our finances, or our families, or our futures. But tonight, God, we draw the line in the sand and we say no more. The fear no longer has control over us. The past no longer has control. The shame no longer has control. And Father, we choose to be unapologetically unoffended in this house. God, we will be daughters of life carrying hope in our homes, in our families, in our futures. Father, we will be daughters of life because that is what you have destined us to be. And so God, we choose right now to walk into our destinies. We thank you, Father, for it is done in Jesus' name. Amen.